Hi, y'all. Welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm a writer over at IndieWire, and I am delighted to bring you this episode with Emma Seligman, director of the even more delightful comedy Bottoms. Seligman co-wrote the script for the film with actor Rachel Sennett, and it's hilarious. But Emma was gracious enough to talk through all of the work that goes into supporting and enhancing the comedy, from getting the film's what-the-fuck casting right, uh, to music and editing, to the incredible fight sequences, and the delightful fever dream production design of uh, High School Obsessed with Football. Uh, Bottoms is a lot in the absolute best way, and Emma was down to get into all of it. I really learned a lot from this conversation, and I think that you will too. So please enjoy this episode with Emma Seligman. Thank you so much for making some time to talk to me about this wonderful movie of yours. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I would love to sort of start with, it feels like just such a wonderful collaboration, both in front of and behind the camera. And I'm curious how, along with, uh, I would imagine your your DP and your stunt coordinator, you sort of worked on the action language of the film and sort of the fight choreography. What was that sort of process like for you in, in planning some rather intense fight sequences? It was a lot, but so much fun. And I think made me feel really empowered as a director to actually execute I don't know, fight sequences for these young girls, for these young women, and then made me feel proud of my DP, Maria, and made me feel proud of Rachel and Io, you know, and the whole cast. But it took a lot. It was like just a lot of watching fight sequences and understanding sort of the style that we wanted. Like we wanted it to look real and bloody because we wanted to honor the sort of fight club genre of it. But we also wanted them to be bad, you know. We didn't want them to like all of a sudden be kicking ass and it not feel real at all. But we also kind of wanted it to be funny in like an Edgar Wright kind of way and have style. But then, you know, if it was too Scott Pilgrim-y, we didn't want it to be so out of this world. So we sort of calibrated our girls' arc of fighting and how good they get with various references. And I think we ended up taking the most, you know, from World's End. My DP kept bringing that up because it's an ensemble movie and the way the camera follows each character in their individual fights within a big fight sequence is very coordinated and stylized and funny, but also badass. You know, it was, that was a helpful reference. And so we did that. We definitely took from Fight Club, you know, we're inspired by, especially for some of the like gym sequences where they're just practicing and we're circling around them. And we used a uh, like a big whiteboard basically where we like drew each set and then used little stick figures and then we would go with our wonderful stunt coordinator Devin McNair and and her two stunt doubles to whatever location we would be shooting at and we just did previs like on our phones and then edited it together in iMovie and made sure it made sense and we wanted to not have stunt doubles that was a big thing we wanted it to be our actors doing it and therefore, we weren't looking at like regular action movie sequences like, we, you know, where they just throw in stunt doubles and do like forced perspective, you know what I mean, kind of stuff and cutting it together quickly. So that was it was that was that. And then, you know, the actors trained in like this, like, I mean, we called it boot camp, but it was just like stunt rehearsal and got really, really good. Um, and it was cool to watch them like evolve. Yeah. So the, it was there was it was a lot of planning, but so much fun and so rewarding. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'm curious, there's like a, a real 
rhythm and a, and a musicality to the fights and sort of how by making the choice to actually have uh, everybody doing it and not doing stunt doubles, you can let the camera linger on them and sort of let us track them. Did you sort of have to like edit it a little bit in prep or were you able to kind of find things um, and piece things together in the edit as well? Yeah. Well, we shared our previous stuff with our editor as we were doing it to be like, does this make sense? Does this feel good? Etc. Everything was pretty coordinated. It's so rare in a movie, especially for a comedy, for you to end up in the edit with exactly how you shot listed it. You know what I mean? But I think actually for the fight sequences, it was pretty close to what we wanted. We did have to cut down a lot. We didn't have to, but it it definitely, you know, for the vibe of it all, you know, uh, especially for that last fight sequence, uh, we definitely trimmed and, you know, we didn't get to have all the sort of like whip pans that we wanted in terms of how we transition between each little fight uh, within this big overall fight. But it ended up pretty, pretty close to sort of what we imagined for it um, when we were first cutting it together. That's awesome. Thank you. To To sort of continue talking about the edit a little bit I feel like when you're when you're making a comedy and especially when you have such brilliant actors who can get improv and give you so many alts like there's six different versions of this movie that could exist or do you have to like sort of just play optometrist scene to scene of like is it better like this or better like that did you create like alternate timelines yeah I, I'm just curious sort of how you uh refined the edit it was really really challenging and I think going into making the movie, I asked various directors advice in general, but particularly from directors who've done comedy, I asked their advice about improv. And so I got a lot of advice when it comes to directing improv on set, but I didn't ask anyone advice on editing improv and editing a comedy. And I was too tired to even think about doing that really when the movie was over and when we were in the edit. And everyone's different. I guess I asked a few people and you know, I remember one friend, mentor of mine was like, I definitely don't watch every take like that. I can't do that. And then someone else was like, I need to see every option. And I definitely am someone that needs to see every single potential concoction of a scene. And that was exhausting because there's so many great alts. There's so many different ways a joke can land there are so many different, you know, versions of certain lines that Io and Rachel especially improvised that it actually was much, much harder than I thought it was going to be and took a toll, I think, on both me and and my editor, Hannah, uh, who edited Shiva Baby. She created the edit. She liked it, you know, a wonderful first editor's cut. And I was like, amazing. Now I want to see every single option, you know what I mean, for each joke. And I think it killed us a little bit. And at a certain point, I just kind of gave up and was like, I'm not going to be able to see every single way that each scene can play out. Yeah, that that part probably took the most time in the edit was trying to figure out what was the best way to do each joke or which jokes we had to cut. Yeah, a monumental task considering like the joke per minute ratio of bottoms. (laughs) And also I would imagine like I was so struck by like how funny the production design of this movie is and like just sort of how many sly visual jokes there are in the background of it. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about your collaboration with Nate uh, and and Eunice, your, your costume designer as well, I would imagine, on like creating sort of this heightened high school reality. Well, I think, you know, a lot of little jokes in the background were baked into the script. 
which I'm pretty sure Rachel wrote all of them, uh, like in terms of, you know, where the jokes and ideas came from in terms of like what's on posters and things like that and costumes and like particularly for the mascot. And then I think that tone that was sort of baked into the production design and costuming allowed our you know, department heads, Nate Jones and uh, Eunice Jerley to go off of that and then like, you know, work with their imagination. Just for example, with the mascot, which a lot of people probably won't see upon their first watch or, you know, maybe second of the movie, the mascot has a giant um, human penis um, for anyone who who hasn't seen that yet. That's just the context. It's really like there's in that sort of beautiful pullback wide of the field at the end before the before the final bomb goes off. There's just like you can see the mascot and also the penis bouncing. <laughs> and it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal stuff. Thank you. Um, yeah, we had I remember our designer like first our production designer had like I think like an hour long conversation with me and then Eunice joined because Eunice had already had a long conversation with me about the mascot costume. And it was so much fun because we were just sitting there being like, okay, and is the penis like a human penis or a dog penis? And like, what is it fluffy or is it like, like what, what texture is? Like, it was just like the most ridiculous conversation. Yeah, it was really fun to work with Eunice and Nate on crafting this tone through production design and costuming. I think, you know, I showed them a million references from so many different time periods because on the design side, I really wanted the movie to feel timeless and I really wanted to insert queer characters into decades of teen movies that we haven't been able to exist in. And so... I sort of was like throwing at them old, you know, Americana references where these stereotypes of the jock and the cheerleader and the nerd were created, like Grease and American Graffiti, or movies just taking place in that time period, like Crybaby, but then also like John Hughes and also like Y2K movies, like particularly for like the costuming. And I feel so grateful that, especially for Eunice, like she took all of my references and somehow made them all work within one world and make it feel cohesive. Because at first I was like, I want Isabel to feel like she's Sandy and I want Brittany to feel like she's like Julia Stiles, you know what I mean? <laughs> and But I and Rachel, you know, are like in American Pie or whatever. And and she made it cohesive. So it was, it was really fun. But we kept joking that like, they were, you know, Nate was making a John Hughes movie and Maria was making like Scott Pilgrim Mm -hmm. or or something. (laughs) Um, It was like Scott Pilgrim in a John Hughes world or something. Um, Yeah, but it was, I mean, I, I, I had fun with both of them. That's awesome. Yeah, there is sort of like, um, especially when you get kind of that Scott Pilgrim-y like backlight on action, but the, the costumes are um, not Scott Pilgrim-y at all. And it's great. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I would love to also ask you, I read somewhere that you sort of, as part of establishing this kind of heightened, fun, timeless world, you wanted to do a little bit of John Waters casting. Mm. Like when I read that, I was like, ah, yes, this makes sense. But I would love to hear you talk about that and the casting process. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I say John Waters casting or camp casting, but really, you know, I think that that's just an example of like what the fuck casting where you're taking people from totally different worlds who have different personas and putting them in this mixed bag together that make audience members be like what and that was sort of 
our inspiration for, you know, having an influencer and having a model and having a former NFL player and, you know, a serious actor. That was the inspiration. And but, you know, thankfully, of course, everyone needed to be perfect for the role and be a good actor and be funny and understand the tone and the genre of the humor, which was very hard and tricky to do, um, which I didn't realize was going to be so tricky to do. And then when we started seeing audition tapes, I was like, oh, I could see how one could read this script as more broad. And, you know, some actors are kind of hamming it up a little bit. And then for certain lines, I was like, oh, they don't understand it's a joke. They're they're doing this totally seriously. Like it's a drama or something because it's gay or something. I don't know. And we ended up with people who were fantastic. But yeah, I think there was something exciting about casting Kaya, you know, and having her sort of slightly make fun of the persona that I think a lot of people ascribe to her and Marshawn playing like an idiot you know oblivious male teacher who has no understanding of what these girls are going through you know what I mean and Nick Galantine you know has now played a brooding heartthrob in like two or three different YA you know movies that have streamed on Netflix and Amazon um, the last couple years and so for him to play this jock and kind of make fun of that persona a little bit was really fun and that's sort of where our inspiration was for that idea yeah that's awesome did anyone sort of like i i would imagine that anytime someone starts embodying a character that you've had in your head on the page forever like it can bring something new and clarify things were there any sort of like cool surprises in the casting process that sort of shifted any of the characters one way or another definitely i think that there's like nothing better than when you see an actor like start to play a role and you're like, this is so much better than anything I could have written. Like you are taking this to another level and I don't have to worry about this character because she's yours now. I think when we saw Havana Rose Lou's tape, Rachel and I, we were like, that's Isabel. Like she was so serious in her portrayal, but so funny. Like every line she delivered was like, you know, she took it so seriously while understanding it was a funny, which is a hard balance. I think with Ruby Cruz playing Hazel, that was probably the character that didn't change, but I think that Hazel from page to screen evolved the most with Ruby's casting more than the other characters, just because when we saw most of the auditions for Hazel, everyone was sort of playing a nerd in a um, kitschy way like they uh, were had glasses on and you know what I mean we're like doing a nerd kind of you know persona and Ruby was just so cool and I remember being like she's too cool for Hazel like Hazel's a nerd but then we were like maybe Hazel actually is cooler than everyone because she's the only one who like doesn't feel the need to prove herself to popular girls and she's the only one that actually does want to join this club and start this club so that, you know, she can feel like she's part of something cool and, you know, in part of this cool community and she doesn't need anybody else. Um, so I think once we cast Ruby, we were like, okay, Hazel's kind of cool actually and has this like emotional grounding force in the movie that we didn't expect originally. And also she kind of needs to be confident because PJ and Josie are being really mean to her the whole movie, particularly PJ. Um, so I think that surprised us the most in a really fun way. Yeah, it feels very true to like, not necessarily the 50s tropes of high school, but like actual high school is that a, a nerd who is secretly very cool and has like a weird mix of 
self-confidence, but also the insecurity and desire to be a part of something. Like I, it's it's such a very cool balance with her character. It's awesome. Totally. I also feel like there's something in particular about it being a queer nerd that yeah. makes it confident because mm-hmm. I think that like when you're queer in high school, like you kind of have to be like your own thing, like your own cool thing separate from the crowd. Like there, it's not the same thing when you're inserting queer characters into this, like these tropes from the teen movie genre they will come out differently. You know what I mean? Like they can't just copy what has been done. And I think that that happened naturally with Hazel because she's just kind of like on her own path because uh, she's she's not going to – there's no way she can try to become no, these other no people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd love to ask you a little bit about the opening of the film and, and the fair when we meet Hazel and uh, the rest of the girls besides PJ and Josie because it feels like such a great – such a great forum to kind of teach the audience what movie they're watching. And I'm curious kind of both in terms of the visual language and sort of, you know, introducing all of these characters who are potentially tropes but are, are twists on them, sort of how you how you thought about that and how you thought about easing the audience into the tone of the film. I think that it just provided a good set piece where we could very quickly and easily establish the dynamics of this particular world the hierarchy, the rules. Um, Yeah, I was curious if you had any like set rules for the world of bottoms. Well, I think that we just wanted to show how much these football players are worshipped and how much they can get away with. And yeah, just sort of off the bat trying to let the audience know that they're not losers because they're gay. They're just losers because they're like not, they're losers. They're not remarkable and they're not hot. Um, So at least in this world, um, I think that those were the rules. We were like, football players rule all. Uh, losers are losers, no matter their sexuality. And, you know, yeah, this person's dating this person. This person's, you know, out of this person's league, et cetera. And also just, yeah, like the jokes and the tone and whatnot. I'd also love to ask you about music in this film. Uh, because both the the score and the soundtrack seem super key. And I'm curious kind of at what stages everything came in. When did you know you were going to get complicated by Avril Lavigne and be able to bring it to audiences once more? For sure. Um, well, Complicated was written into the script. And just before we shot the movie, we got it cleared. So that was fun to shoot the montage and know that Complicated was going to play over. And I remember talking to my DP about it and she was like, oh, should the lights turn off at the gym at this point? And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's going to time out so perfectly with like that first like guitar sound. <laughs> and she thought I was like, just like envisioning it like in my dreams. And, I, and then I was like, no, 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 we have the song. I think that, you know, the, the, the ideal that we couldn't have achieved with this just budget wise was like a teen movie genre, like soundtrack, like yeah. from the, the, the kinds that we grew up with, with with all those early 2000s movies, like, you know, that reflect kind of the era that we're in. And I really my dream was to sort of fill up the soundtrack with all the fucking cool queer, you know, AFAB musicians that we love now that have huge audiences that I wanted to see this movie like King Princess and Muna and Boy Genius and all, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Girl in Red. But we couldn't, we couldn't get that. Um, we did get a King Princess song in there and that was awesome. But um, I wanted the music to sort of reflect the campy nature of the movie, but also the audience. And I think, you know, 
Charlie XCX is an incredible musician and a queer icon, and she's current, but her sound is also interesting and weird and experimental, but sexy and romantic and sweet and sad and exciting and all of the things, and she loves cars. So I think, I don't know, yeah, music was very important, but music always, for me, is like at the end, not because it's not important, but just it's the the process I'm the least familiar with, and it also comes as such a lovely surprise at the end where you're so dead from the creative process. You're so tired from editing. And then the composers come in and just sort of rush in all this wonderful creative energy. And you get so inspired. You get like a second wind um, when you're in post. So some of these things were planned out. Some of them were like ideas we had on set. Like we played uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart when we were shooting Nick's dance scene where he's listening to the to the Walkman and and you know having his little sad boy moment we just played that song because we thought it'd be funny and then we were like "Mm, what what how much is this song um (laughs) uh so yeah it came in stages but mostly at the end yeah it feels like especially when we get um even leading up to that the shot of like Britney riding out of the car to Total Eclipse of the Heart, it feels like such a perfect (laughs) marriage of image and sound. In her juicy shirt. Oh, incredible. (laughs) Yeah. So when you you sort of don't know quite what a montage will be yet, is sort of your goal just to get as much coverage as possible, give yourself as many options as possible? Yeah. I mean, for that set piece with Total Eclipse... I didn't originally see it as sort of like a montage music video vibe, but then my DP was like, we should get shots of them in slow-mo, like rolling up to the house yeah. with Brittany out the window in a kind of spring breakers-y kind of way. And I was like, okay. Like she was like, let's just get vibey shots. And I was like, sure. And then, you know, there's all these different little tiny scenes within this sequence. Yeah. Um And it was in the edit that I was like, what if it's just one song? Because originally we imagined a song for them pulling up and then a song that he's listening to inside. So that was something that more, we weren't like, oh, it's going to be a montage. We were like, it's just a a sequence. It's a big set piece, like the fair or whatever. Um, And and then that came in in the edit as a way to sort of like make it feel a little more cohesive, as especially as we were trimming down all these moments just to find the right balance. Um, And then I think for the montage... No, I mean, we tried to be, we're pretty like specific about what we want, you know, shot listing and whatnot. But I think that, as you know, especially in understanding how it's all going to flow and especially knowing we got complicated or, you know, pain, there's always, there's, it always never, especially for pain where it's the fight montage where we're just following all of them. Like it, you have to be as specific as possible and how you want to go about it. But then it, it definitely changed and altered in the, um, in the edit, uh, there's there's room for flexibility for sure. It, I almost feel like I have a harder time letting go with the montages of how exactly I had it in my head to, to each part, you know what I mean, of the song, et cetera, to allow for the process to unfold in the best way. No, I mean, that makes sense, especially because I feel like you're doing a lot of work in the montages to sort of track changes in the character relationships. And so you don't want to lose any of that. Yeah. And I'm like, it's important. This tackle is really important, guys. It needs to come at the bridge. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. There were some things for the final montage where we were like, why didn't we get a thing for 
PJ? Like, what's going on with her? Like, you know what I mean? But then when we showed it to test audiences, they were like, yeah, I don't really care how Josie and PJ are doing at this point because, like, there's a lot going suck. on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man, there's a sword here. We don't, we got other things. There's other things going on. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a broad question. Uh, so I, I apologize for it in advance, but I'm, I'm curious kind of, is there, a particular thing, a particular muscle that you were able to flex on this movie that you learned that you would be excited to bring into future work that you do? Yeah, that's a specific question. I just have to think for a second. Honestly, I think doing the stunts, like I got really excited and I felt, like I said earlier, like empowered, especially as a female director, to be like, yeah, we planned this whole sequence and we prevised and you know what I mean? Like we did each and every step and the actors look amazing and it made me feel like I could do just a pure action movie and also a horror movie. You know what I mean? Um, anything with more action in it. Yeah, I didn't know I had that sort of in me. Um, and it's all just prep. Like it's all just research and prep for, for every part of the process. So yes. How fun were the tests that I would imagine that was part of that prep for like the level of blood and gore and fucking up of everybody's faces for the camera tests or um or like te like the previous stuff or... uh, I was gonna I was gonna ask about makeup tests but oh honestly I mean they were fun to get photos of but it, it's so funny with prep you're like on a location scout and you're getting a text with like photos of Rachel's face covered in blood and you're like looks great thumbs up <laughs> um cool. you know um but I think it was really fun. Like, I don't know, like our makeup artist, Natalie Johnson, who's incredible. We were like, how much blood? Like, how how dark do we want the blood? You right. Know? That's like an important tonal choice as well. It's yes. just how gory to be. Yeah. We originally wanted it to be like kind of like a really gooey kind of like bright Kill Bill kind of red. And then we were like, that's taking us kind of into a a more stylistic world and then I wanted like kind of brown red like fight club and we settled on whatever we had you know what I mean but yeah it was so fun talking about that stuff yeah again that's like a new not new muscle to flex it's like deciding on what kind of blood do you want but it, it like this movie involved so much that I was like never done before I mean speaking to like a whole this is more answering your last question but like a whole group of middle-aged men who are all in the special effects unit being like and how big do you want the bomb to be and do you want the car to rattle and shake or do you want it to just the the glass to explode and how far do you want the glass to go like it, it was so cool talking to so many different more people that I didn't have the you know experience doing before obviously right. yeah and there's so many incremental decisions that I would imagine you don't know that you have and then you get to make. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always like really fun, but then also can be terrifying because you're sure. like, what? You're like, also, especially because my first movie takes place in one day. So the costumes, the makeup, the production design is all the same pretty much. So I was like, continuity, what? And then I kept on being like, for every department, like, it doesn't matter. Our movie's really absurd. It doesn't exist in our world. Like, we can play with time. But it got to a point where it was like, okay, no, this needs to make like some sense. Otherwise, you're taking the audience out of the experience. No, the flip phone can only justify so much. <laughs> <laughs> totally which I loved that he had that Miles had that that was awesome thank you yeah that was a that was a choice I feel like a lot of people weighed in on because we were like this is the only piece of technology we're seeing in the movie so whatever it is it's the only sort of glimmer of a time period that it's going to suggest to an audience um 
what, what what's going on. And we eventually decided on the razor, you know, f- but but that that took a second. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine strong opinions were had, uh, as strong opinions are had about cell phones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I think you did a great job of answering all of the questions I had. Is there anything else that like you would want to talk about that maybe somebody hasn't asked you yet? No, this was so much fun to like nerd out and talk about the specifics, the film stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what we're here for. (laughs) Oh, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me.